This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they supported DNVR for a long time. As members, they're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial experience. You can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and get entered to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. But most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your mortgage options. Mike is a certified financial planner, which really sets them apart from the rest. They're your mortgage experts working up and down the front range, and they will work with the most utmost integrity. They'll shop over a dozen lenders to get the best rate for you and your family. And if you mention DNVR or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, it's possible to have your appraisal and all other closing costs covered. So call them at 303-257-6578 or visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. That is where you can get in on all of the awesome stuff they're doing over there. So call, so check them out. Uh, that's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Let's hop into the show. NVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Make sure you check out what's going on down there at MSU Denver Online. Dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to choose between getting education and living your life. Uh, there's probably a good chance that you've got some newfound free time on your hands. Uh, and what better way to use that time than to further your education? 750 classes, 40 plus hybrid programs. Tons of great stuff going on over there. So check them out. Use this time. Get your education right. Uh, and uh, be extra prepared for the job field when things start opening up a little bit more. Uh, check them out. msudenver.edu slash online. My boys, what's up, man? This feels like a great Wednesday. I mean, for a lot of people, this is the start of their Thanksgiving break. So thank you for joining us today. And guys, I'm so pumped for the show. Yes, uh, Thanksgiving is in the air. You can feel it. You can smell it. Um, and I got to ask you guys real quick, uh, just make it easy. Yes or no on turkey? No. Smoked turkey or uh, deep yes. fried. Smoked or deep fried turkey will change the way you feel about turkey. And, and hey, one of... 
You know, uh, barbecue guy. There's no such thing as a yes or no answer to me. No, but hey, we live in the gray, right? There's always gray area. If it's turkey in an oven, you know, I want no part of it. But sometimes the hidden star of great barbecue restaurants is smoked turkey. Like there's a place in North Carolina that I used to go and just get a pound of, of sliced smoked turkey and eat off it for a couple of weeks. And it's just, it's heavenly guys when it's done right. Yeah. Good smoked turkey is solid. Um, since it's a yes or no question, I'm going no, <laughs> um, but you know, when I say no, I mean like, no, it's not in the top 10 things that you eat uh, at Thanksgiving, but I'm still going to eat it. So what, there's 11 things you eat and it's not, it's not the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like not better than stuffing. No, um, I would rather just eat straight cranberry sauce. Um, it's not yeah. better than mac and cheese. It's not better than mashed potato. I mean, no, I just, I don't no, think I, if, uh, it, it is, that is the thing that I have the smallest portion of, but at Thanksgiving, so you have to have a little bit on your plate. I'm right there with you, Ryan. I mean, it is the thing that I save for last and maybe have a tiny little bite, but everything else is better. Okay, yep. wait a minute. You're saving the thing that you don't like for last. I would say have it first, get it out of the way, and then you don't get have to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, 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 and enjoy it. You know what? It's it's funny because I typically do the complete opposite. I typically eat, I, I save the best thing for last. And my girlfriend's always like, oh my gosh, you're eating the salad first. So of course you are. I have to eat the salad first. You make me feel bad for you know eating the pasta first. Um, but with it's okay if I don't eat the turkey. So if I'm just too full, then it's okay. Okay. So yeah, what is your and, favorite? And this like, what's your go-to then? Uh, my go-to, absolutely the mashed potatoes. With the gravy, I think we talked about this last year, you throw some peas in so you make it a little swimming pool. Maybe some pearled onions as well for some floaties for the peas in there. Wow, weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big stuffing guy. Uh and, um, you know, I, I think I say this every year, but I started making the stuffing in my family because I'm sick and tired of people trying to mess with stuffing. Like, it's the number one thing that just doesn't need to be messed with. People are always trying to put new ingredients in there, make it out of different things. Like, no, just get the standard stuffing, make it exactly the way it says on the box or the, or the bag. Uh, and it's better than any variation you can have. <laughs> I, so, I am so cool, though, like, like, um. My dad always wants to like add an extra one because he thinks that you can somehow change stuffing and make it better. So I'm fine with like you know him trying whatever he wants, but in the end, <laughs> that one has leftovers and mine doesn't. <laughs> so Mace, the thing, the dish that Ryan's describing, what do you call Mace, it? I think Mace. I think we oh, lost he's, Mace. He's frozen. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to ask you. He's frozen what... in a very stoic. <laughs> and, uh, it looks like he's really paying attention to what we have to say. I thought you captured him, man. <laughs> but my question was going to be, what does he call stuffing? Because, Ryan, you called it the absolutely right thing. It's it's thing. Dressing, I mean, dressing is, is, you know, salad dressing. Everyone has a couple bottles in their fridge. It's, it's not dressing. It's stuffing. What's weird about that, Zach, is... There's actually a distinction between dressing and stuffing and what we really? would call it because stuffing goes in the turkey. That's a, you know, if you cook it in the turkey, it's stuffing. If you if you put it around the turkey, 
it's dressing. You're dressing up the turkey around. I actually do either of those things, but the way we make it, which at least I do, like in a casserole dish, and then, you know, you put it on your plate, is closer to dressing than stuffing, but I'm with you. It's still called stuff. Wow. I had no idea that was, that's why it was called dressing, is because you're dressing the turkey. Okay. Yeah, okay. A, a I'll take a people, step back. You know, a lot of people, like, you know, put it around the turkey in a uh, decorative manner. Wow. Just to eat it. Just to ruin it. I know. I, I always thought it was called stuffing because I ate so much of it that I was stuffed afterwards. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, the, one that. Thing, the one thing I'll say to everyone, you know, who um, defend Turkey is there, you don't make it on any other day. Yep. Nope. But you don't, uh, you would, you, you might say you don't make stuffing on any other day. The, the thing is, I actually do. Um, so <laughs> you can't pull that one on me. And like, oh, if you, <laughs> You ever get one of those like uh, Thanksgiving sandwiches? Yes, yes. Toast. Only, only the day after Thanksgiving, though. I, I, yes. I'm not going in the summer and oh. ordering a Thanksgiving uh, sandwich. Interesting. Uh, you know, there's a place in Boulder, Half Ass Subs, that does a uh, a Thanksgiving sandwich. It has the stuffing on there, cranberry sauce. Oh, it's delicious. Okay, we're gonna move on. <laughs> Uh, I had to get our Thanksgiving talk in today since we won't be doing a pod tomorrow. Um, Zach, you brought something up interesting to me before the show, and I definitely think it's worth having a discussion on. Um, last week, it really felt like the Broncos found a formula. Run the ball, what was it, 31 times? Uh, yeah. Pass the ball 30 times. That's a nice balance. You got 16 carries for Philip Lindsay, 15 carries for Melvin Gordon. Those guys tore it up. You ran a bunch of play action off of it. It was great. You love to see it. Now you finally have a formula. You might have an identity. And now you run into a buzzsaw when it comes to that formula that you were talking about. Uh, Zach, do you want to shed a little bit of light on what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. I mean, Ryan, we're so pumped on Monday. The Broncos found their offensive formula and the Saints come marching into town with the NFL's best run defense, only giving up 74 yards per game. It's over 10 yards less than the second best team. So they're not just the best in the league. They kind of blow the rest of the league out. And Ryan, get this. If 74 yards and being the NFL's best run defense wasn't good enough, over the past three games, the Saints are giving up 34 yards per game on the ground. 34 in three games. That's like a good sample size. You don't just fall into that. And so everything we talked about on Monday, over the past 48 hours since realizing this, I've been thinking, oh my gosh, what do you do? Do you abandon the game plan? And you, and you have Drew drop back, obviously not 50 times, but 40 times. Do you just keep pounding the rock until two minutes left in the game and you, you, you're down seven points and then you have to throw the ball? What, what do you do here, Ryan? Yeah, it's a really interesting question and an unfortunate timing for this. Uh, real quick, can I just ask you, who are the three teams that they played in the last three games that they've allowed an average of 34 yards? The Falcons, the uh, okay. San Francisco 49ers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> that um, kind of puts a fork in my answer here. And your a uh, fork but, in your turkey? Yeah, exactly. Um, I was going to say there are certain teams who just make it make this who they are. Uh, it doesn't matter who you're playing. 
Uh, obviously, the game situations will change and you will adjust to it. But you go into a game with the idea that you're going to run the ball. And one of the teams I was going to say is like that is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, they, you know, running is part of who they are. They have to be able to do it. Um, and they're going to commit to doing it regardless of who they're playing. What I will say is usually the Los Angeles Rams are one of these teams as well. But what the Los Angeles Rams are really good at, Zach, is even if they don't want to run the ball in a game or if they're unable to run the ball, which happened to them, did they play on Monday night? Yep. Yes, Monday night against uh, the Buccaneers. They weren't able to run the ball in that game. But if you went back and just watched each game in a vacuum, you wouldn't be able to tell that this was a game where they had no success running the ball. Uh, Because they will continue to keep up the idea that they're going to run the ball by running play action, uh, by, by lining up in formations that look like they're going to run the ball, by running the pre step motion that you've seen multiple times on runs. And that, I think is the furthest I'll go into saying that I'm okay with the Broncos moving away from the run a little bit in this game plan. Even if you know, hey, look, we're just probably not going to be able to run the ball 30 times uh, because you have a feeling that you're going to get stopped for one to two yards, you know, most of the times you attempt to run. You still have to say, like, well, we're still going to sprinkle it in and we're still going to make them think we want to run the ball. Uh, And hopefully you can capitalize on some aggressiveness uh, from the Saints who think you're going to run the ball as well. So that's where I'll go with this. Go back, look at the game plan that the uh, Los Angeles Rams used on Monday Night Football. And no, I I realize you're not going to run, you know, you're not the same offense. But just the idea behind what they were doing, which is we're still going to run the chip releases on play action with our tight ends. Uh, we're still going to make you think we want to run the ball, even if we know we can't. Ryan, and I think that's the key, is they have to respect the run enough because look where Drew Locke was the best he's been this year. It was off play action. It was on the move. That's what you have to make sure stays because, Ryan, this this game, really Drew Locke's development is more important than this game. So you can't just rush him back and, and say, okay, Drew, you're in shotgun, drop back 45 times this game, good luck. Because that would be a losing game plan. It would also kill Drew. So you need to make sure that you have some balance. And I understand it's not going to be 50-50 this week. That's something that people should not be expecting going into this game. But maybe it's 35-25. 35 dropbacks, 25 runs. And you also don't have to run the ball for 5.5 yards per carry. You're just not going to be able to do that. The, the the Saints defense is the best defense in the league against the run, not only in yards per game, but also in yards per attempt. They only give up 3.3 yards per attempt. So you want to be, if you can be around four, what Pat Shermer needs to do is just realize that, okay, the running game is not going to be sexy, but we have to keep pounding away until the fourth quarter. And if things are out of hand, then obviously you, you have to change that. But you have to stay committed to the run because Ryan the, and Mace, uh, welcome back. The the Saints will not respect the run, and they won't respect the play action if you're not running. Forty five percent is the key. You even against a team like this, 
for Drew Locke to have a better chance of success, you want to run the ball at least 45% of the time. And so uh, 35, 35, 25, uh, Zach, I think that uh, might be, it, it might be a little bit below uh, where you want it to be. Maybe you want those runs to be about, about 27 or so, but you've got to get that to where it's not, no one wants 50-50 balance. No one needs 50-50 balance, but it's got to be up there. You mentioned some of the Saints numbers. There's one number for the Saints that is really insane in their run defense. They only allow a first down once every 5.7 carries. So in theory, if you just come out and try to run the ball on every down, you're going three and out every time against these guys. This is one of the this is one of the best run defenses that I've seen in the last several years, guys. Here, so the Broncos they need to try it, but success has to be different. If you average four yards per carry on these guys, you've done something great, and that's allowed you to sustain it. So, ah. Uh. <laughs> he was about to drop the bike. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I know it was. Oh, oh! Where, where did I leave off? Because <laughs> I, you know, I, I have no clue where I was cut off. Mace, you left us. You left us when you said so. Like you were yeah, going to say man. something great. <laughs> you said if you average four yards per carry against this team, you've done something great. So. And then you did exactly that. <laughs> you cut out again. Uh, um, this is not. Oh, we're so close to us through this. We are so close. We are. That's exactly what Daniel and the cop. Screw this. Screw this. Screw this. Screw this. <laughs> oh, at least he's smiling this time. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, this, this is tough. This is tough. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a struggle. <laughs> Uh, love us, love us some Mace, but you know sometimes it just might not be in the cards. <laughs> well, Ryan Mace was killing us with with some great stats. Tristan Beckman in the comment section says Saints have not allowed a hundred yard rusher since November nineteenth, twenty seventeen. Holy <laughs> smokes! Wow. wow. I guess that I've been is... I've been sleeping on the Saints defense for years. I guess that is remarkable. Um... And it just shows you uh, how tough it's going to be this week. Now, you can try some different things, Zach, and that's the other thing that I want to point out. Do not run Philip Lindsay right up the middle uh, and expect to get you know more than that three point three yards per carry, which is the average that you're going to get. You again, running the ball for you this week is a chore. It's something that you have to do. It's not something that you want to do, but you know that if you don't get it done, it's going to get ugly. It's like doing it's like doing the dishes. You don't want to do it, but if you don't do it, the dishes are going to pile up and your kitchen's going to look like an absolute mess. Uh, and that's exactly what this is. But just because you have to do the dishes doesn't mean you can't put some music on. Doesn't mean you can't, you know, get a little groove going. And what I mean by that is you have to try different ways of running the ball you got to try counters you got to try um even you know reverses uh is a way of running the ball a little bit and just not allowing them to get their pass rush heated up there's so many different ways um you know try some sweeps try some counters out of the shotgun which we know this team has been successful doing there's so many different ways that you can try to run the ball uh and you know bring it bring it on in different ways to again 
you just got to find a way to run the ball 20 something times. You don't have to do it the same way every time. Yeah, exactly. And you hope that both Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay uh, come to play because you're going to need both of those guys uh, and they're going to have to be clicking. And another thing you're going to have to do, Ryan, is get the other guys involved in the run game. I mean, you, you mentioned the sweeps. Where's KJ Hamler been? on a sweep he's he's showed that he can do everything and just like daniel's saying have kj run in motion to keep the defense on their toes and also utilize the short passing game drew lock does not have to go deep over and over again just quick short passes to help with that and unfortunately the saints pass defense is still pretty good now not as good as their run defense saints almost a borderline uh, top 10 pass defense. I think they're ranked number 11th or 12th. Uh, so you you can move the ball there, but it's not like that's the easy option. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got you, Mace. I hope so. I changed connections. Now I'm on my cell phone. But uh, the one thing I, I will say, Zach, about the Saints pass defense, they give up yards, but in terms of first down rate, they're seventh best in the league. So it's it's like uh, uh, some of what they give up, Zach, is they'll give up eight yards on third and 12, for example. So mm. you're able to get some yards, but not necessarily move the cha- chains on these guys. It's, it's an exceptional defense. The other thing is you talk about some sweeps. The only area in run defense where the Saints are even remotely vulnerable is on the sweep. If you go outside, if you go outside of left end on these guys, they'll you average 4.4 yards per carry over the course of the season. So maybe that's a key. You've got you've got to run around the left side, and that's and that's hey, that's where the strength of your offensive line is right now in run blocking, right? With Garrett Bowles and Dalton Reisner on that left side. So try that. Try to play to your strengths in this game. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> Get the ball outside of the tackles. Get those guards pulling. Be creative. Again, you know, <clears throat> I maybe only want to see three, four dives the entire game. Again, just because it's really it's a it's a chore. It's just something that you have to get out of the way. You do have to also make them think that you'll you are willing to run the ball in the middle of the field. Uh so they aren't sitting on the uh you know the other side of things. So it, it it's difficult. You know what my favorite thing about this conversation is, guys? What? This is kind of what our conversation sounded like last week. Yeah. Uh, w- when you start looking at this game on paper, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher from the Broncos. Uh, and sometimes when that happens in the NFL, there's a curveball there. That's what I kept saying, even though I wasn't confident in it. I, I said, just when you think you know what's going to happen in the NFL by looking at a game on paper, uh, the NFL will come and surprise you. Well, and where I feel good about this game is on the other side of the ball. Taysom Hill was extremely effective and efficient. I think he proved uh, Sean Payton right, uh, at least in his first game last week. But I love Vic Fangio going up against an inexperienced quarterback, an inexperienced player, and Taysom Hill. I really like Vic Fangio in that matchup. The only problem is that on the other side, you do have... Oh, man. Another mic drop moment. (laughs) I'm assuming he was going to say Alvin Kamara. Oh, I thought he was going to say Sean Payton. I was saying Sean Payton. And that and that that that's that's the thing that's different here is that you have one of the two or three best offensive minds in football in the last twenty years who is prov- who is providing the guidance to that young quarterback in Taysom Hill and the other th- and the other thing is Taysom Hill 
he's a chaos kind of quarterback. So this is somebody who is at his best when things sometimes break down a little bit. So you can have a beautiful game plan. You can have a, you can have a beautiful defensive call and he's capable of kind of, of, of extending it and getting guys a little bit fatigued, getting them to chase and making something unique happen. That's off the script. So it's a little bit different than going up against Tua Tungo Vailoa last week, for example. Definitely different. A lot more experience, obviously, in the league. Uh, to me, and we'll talk more about the game plan exactly on Friday, but to me, it really comes down to just committing tons and tons of resources to stopping the run uh, and just living with what happens. Uh, if Taysom Hill is able to you know, drop back in the pocket, hit his back foot and deliver a nice deep ball, if he can do that, that's a way that you can sleep with losing. Um, if, if you end up losing because they run for 250 yards on the ground, you can't run the ball at all, they possess the ball the entire game, uh, then you are going to be in big trouble. Um, one big thing for slowing down that run would be having back Shelby Harris, but uh, that is not exactly a foregone conclusion. What, what do we know about Shelby? Holy smokes. Today, guys, uh, Vic Fangio spoke on KOA and said Shelby Harris will not practice today. Vic said he believes he has to go through four or five days of testing before he can come back. And I believe today is the first day. So this we'll find out more when we talk to Vic in just a couple of hours. But guys, this is concerning because let's say Shelby comes back and he's able to be with the team on Friday or Saturday. Are they going to have him play with not just missing one week, not just missing two weeks, but missing three weeks? I don't think the Broncos will go that route. I don't I think, think they will. Sparingly. Yeah, I, I think I, I think they'll. I, I don't think they'll go the route of uh, of having him play every down. I think RK is right. I think you'll see him play high leverage downs and maybe fifteen to twenty plays. Because with all respect to the guys who are out there, Shelby is by some distance, your best defensive lineman. If you can get 15 snaps out of him, great. Have him up. You need that. I I, yeah. I think that, that, that honestly, guys, is looking like the ideal situation now, and I think that's a great point. Just crazy. And, uh, you know, you hope just with how long this has been affecting Shelby that uh, he's okay uh, now and okay long-term as well. Um, it's, it's a weird situation. And, and in the comments here from Johnny Blaze, uh, yeah, does, is Ed Donatel coming back? Do we have any update on Ed? Ed, it, it, unsure if he's going to be back this week, which to me says Vic Fangio is not counting on having him back. Man, that, that's really good that he's doing better, but it's clear that, that COVID hit him extremely hard. But we're glad that he's out of the hospital. Uh, and he, he's partaking in some of the meetings virtually. Uh, but but Vic kind of alluded to the fact that he's he's listening to the meetings, but he's not driving any meetings. One thing that's interesting on that in the media schedule that went out yesterday, Ed Donatel's name was not on there with the other coordinators expected to speak to the media on Friday. So I think that's a sign that uh, Ed, Ed's not going to be all the way back this week. Uh, shame. Uh, and you just you know hope health wise that he gets back. Sooner rather than later. All right. Uh, before we move on here, got to give out our Draft Kings pick of the week. And let me just tell you, there is a ton of awesome stuff going on at DraftKings this week. You just want to get over there uh, and get onto the app 
and just start looking at all of the different deals they have going for you. There are tons of different Turkey Day specials that you can get in on. So make sure you check it out. Um, there's a no-brainer for if Baltimore and Pittsburgh find the end zone. If either team gets in the end zone, uh, you'll make some money off of that. Uh, there is a 50% profit boost on any team to have a turnover on downs on Thursday. Um, 33% profit boost on a three-leg parlay, which you know you got to have. Uh, and then finally, place a $20 bet uh, live on Thanksgiving and get a $10 free bet just, just for your troubles. Uh, you might even make money off your $20 live bet. You'll still get the free bet. So uh, tons of amazing deals at DraftKings. All right, Zach, I'll start with you. What is your uh, DraftKings pick of the week? Well, guys, I'm going into Thanksgiving on a heater. I've hit on six straight picks of the week, and I think four, three or four of those have been on Alabama. I can't do that as much as I love the Tide. They're 25 and a half point favorites going up against number 22 ranked Auburn. 25 point favorites against Auburn. So, of course, I'll be picking Alabama, but I just I can't rightfully give that as a lock of the week. So I'm going to Thanksgiving. You got to put some juice on Thanksgiving. And I'm going with a little teaser, two-team teaser to make it about even odds here. I'm taking the Washington football team plus nine against the Cowboys so they can they can lose by a touchdown and I still win that pair that on with Steelers plus two or plus one it seems like that's where it is right now of course you get the six points on that so man all I need is a Pittsburgh win against a Baltimore team that's dealing with COVID and I just need Washington to keep it within you know eight points okay that's interesting how all right this is how much of an idiot I am how can you do plus nine on Washington when the spread is plus three? The old teaser. Yeah. Yes. Okay. This is so you give up value, you get points. This is too complicated for me. <laughs> <laughs> they said there would be no math. Oh yeah. Anyway, well, I'm going all the way to Sunday, guys. Um, Jacksonville is starting Mike Glennon, and Ryan's the Browns guy. are going. The Browns are going into to to the to Jacksonville. They're six and a half point favorites. Mike Glennon, it's not a white flag, but it's pretty close. I, I think the Browns win. They win by double digits. Give me the Browns, even though they're giving six and a half. That Wait, real quick, I just want to clarify: How did Mike Glennon get a ride back from the surface of the sun? Uh, did he like hitch a ride with Joe Flacco? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Flacco. Uh, we're hanging out up there, and they built a reverse rocket ship. <laughs> now they're Smart both guy. playing. <laughs> Brandon Allen came back with them. Yes, yeah. yes he did. <laughs> Jeez, oh we, we're really seeing probably Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and Mike Lennon all playing this week. Wow, we need we need odds on DraftKings Sportsbook on who's going to have a better performance: Drew Locke, Brandon Allen. Or Joe Flacco. Maybe maybe Case Keenum will get a couple plays in too and we can throw him into the mix. Jeez. Do you guys know how many freaking college basketball games there are today? Oh, because the, the today's opening today tip off. Big day. Yeah. Yes. I was just trying to find the game that I wanted to pick here, and <clears throat> I I could not believe how many games. Like there's like a hundred games. It's insane. It's, it's like and the start of the NCAA tournament. And they're all over, and they're all over the uh, the clock today. I mean, you've got like, for example, you've got Virginia Tech uh, against Radford, ne- Nebraska, McNeese State. 
kicking off or tipping off at 10 a.m. You've got UVA at 11:30. They're they're all over the place today. I mean, it's it's a buffet. Yeah, it really is. Well, it took me so long to find it that I wasn't able to uh, to change it because I don't like the way it's moved. I was going to give you buffs minus 14 and a half, but it's already moved all the way to minus 16 and a half just in the time it took me to scroll all the way down there. <laughs> um, so you know what? I'm going to give this out even though I might not even bet this because I hate betting this, um, but I think it's going to hit. Uh, Buffs taking on South Dakota today in their opener. And it's a kind of a weird situation. They uh, have traveled to Manhattan, Kansas, where they will also play Kansas State in like, you know, a kind of a round robin type of thing they've got going on over there. Um, and I just think with the odd season, a new, um, you know, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? A new gym that they're going to be playing in. Um, Tad Boyle loves to focus on defense. I think that this is going to be an under, uh, over-under set at 144 and a half. Uh, I think that these teams are just going to struggle to get going offensively. So give me the under 144 and a half in CU versus South Dakota. I might not bet it because I hate having to cheer against my own offense, uh, but I think it's going to hit. Man, yeah, that's that does seem pretty high, especially for the first game of the season. Yeah. And you never know. Sometimes teams just get hot from three and it goes crazy. But uh, I think that one will hit. I think that one will hit. All right. That uh, before we go here, I'd love if you guys on YouTube would hit us with a thumbs up. We always appreciate that. Um, we could also uh, get a few subscribes in there. All you got to do is click subscribe. And if you're uh, feeling extra generous, sign up for the alerts, which are right next to the subscribe button. That way, you know, every time that we are going live on YouTube or when we drop a new video. Uh, but for the live side of things, that's going to wrap it up for us. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Friday. Have a great Thanksgiving. All right, before we move on, we got to let you know that there is a big, big sale coming this Friday at DNVR. Do you guys need good ideas for Christmas or do you just want to treat yourself? Well, we're excited to announce that our Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales are going live this week. You can get up to 80% off the uh, any off certain items at the dnvr locker and if you spend 75 dollars pre-tax we'll also give you a 15 dollar gift card that you can apply starting on tuesday december 1st at the dnvr locker last but not least when you sign up for an annual membership for 59.99 you can get a 60 dollar gift card to the dnvr locker uh, that will also start on uh, december 1st so some insane insane deals coming this black friday uh, and we'd love if you haven't already, uh, if you hit us with some support or just bought your bought your friends and family some gifts down there at the DNVR locker where you'll get some great deals and then maybe get that $15 gift card for yourself later on. So, Ryan, you're telling me that if I get a membership this Friday to DNVR for a year, it's better than a buy one, get one free deal because I actually get a penny more in value than buy one, get one. Yes, you're you're getting a dnvr subscription for free basically or you're getting the shirts for free uh but you're, you're basically getting a dnvr membership for free uh which is a pretty sweet deal uh and you'll get some sick gear out of it as well man that is awesome so make sure to check out ddnvr.com this friday guys and also when you get that membership and that 60 dollars gift card then you'll have access to all of our coverage you'll get not only all the broncos coverage but you'll get abs Nuggets, Rockies, Buffs, 
Rams, and of course, Colorado rugby coverage. And I really shouldn't say Colorado rugby coverage because it's American rugby coverage. All of the United States rugby coverage you need is at thednvr.com because Glendale is now the new official training center of men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. Infinity Park at Glendale, where the Raptors play, is where the home is of the United States rugby. So make sure to check us out at thednvr.com. Also, check us out on Twitter at dnvrrugby and on podcasts at dnvrrugby. Our, our reporter, Colton Strickler, does a great job breaking down the game if you're new to the game, but also breaking down everything that's going on in the sport right now. So make sure to check us out at thednvr.com. And of course, before you head down to your family uh, Thanksgiving, or maybe you're doing Thanksgiving at home, either way, uh, make sure you get yourself some Breck brews uh, for the occasion. Uh, it might not seem like it's on brand, but if you get the Christmas ale, you'll absolutely feel in the holiday spirit uh, when you get when you go down for uh, your uh, your Thanksgiving dinner. Have one, have a little uh, Christmas ale while you're watching football on the couch. That will get you in the mood and in the, in the holiday spirit. So make sure you check out Breckenridge Brewery. All right, let's hop into. The questions from the listeners. One of you guys want to kick us off? Dan Burke is jumping in with the first one. He says, hey, guys, is there a coincidence that Drew is unbeaten against Belichick and his former defensive co-coordinators? He beat Romeo Cornell, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, not officially defensive coordinator in England, but had defensive play calling duties, and the man himself. I know stylistically those defenses all play a ton of man coverage. So is there something to that? And how comfortable is Drew playing those defenses? Wow, that's, that's a crazy coincidence, or is it a coincidence, guys? I don't know. Hey. Uh, I mean, it's tough to say. I think that when you know uh, what you're expecting to see, that you can, you know, come up. Uh, with the way to beat it no one's better at beating you know no one's no one knows what you're going to do more than you and basically those guys want to do what he's been doing so I think that uh, there's something to that for sure well the other thing is I mean we've seen young quarterbacks since time immemorial have trouble reading zones I mean remember Trevor Simeon trying to read a cover two back in 2017 and he just couldn't do it sometimes young quarterback deceived and get through and fall into traps when they're throwing in the zones and go exactly where the defense wants them to go and exactly where the quarterback doesn't want to go. So maybe there's something to, there's something to this. I haven't thought about that, but there might be something to this. Guys, I totally, I, misun I totally misunderstood the question. I thought it was more about uh, Belichick against his coordinators, not Drew against Belichick coordinators. That's my bad. Um, maybe it does have to do with man coverage. You know, man, man coverage is definitely a lot easier to diagnose than zone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And Macy, you brought up a name there that I'm happy you did. Uh, Trevor's coming home this weekend, guys. My man, Trevor Simeon, coming back to Denver with the Saints. I'm so happy he's coming home for the holidays. Oh. Is it home? I mean, I thought his home was Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he seems like the least Orlando person ever. Oh yeah, he definitely. Yeah, you, you don't see him at uh, at, at uh, oh what's what theme park is out there? Why can't I think of it? Disneyland? Disney World, Disney Universal World. Studios. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I kind of see it like, times. <laughs> Coming from Northwestern, like you just think that he's a Midwest guy. 
That's really true. Yeah, he fits in with the Midwest culture. Well, a lot right. of people from Florida and New York go to Northwestern. So, uh, Northwestern, uh, it's, it's in the Big Ten, but it's not really Midwestern the way the rest of the Big Ten is. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's still, like, not Orlando. No. <laughs> it's the only private school uh, in the Big Ten. How about that? How about it? Uh, all right, from Jockstrap Jerry, he says – Build your Broncos. Sorry in advance if this is hard to do on a podcast. It might be, but we'll, we'll try it anyway. So you've got $15 to spend. Here's, uh, here are your options. Uh, at QB, $5, John Elway. $4, Peyton Manning. $3, Jake Plummer. $2, $2 Joe Flacco. $1, Paxton Lynch. I think everyone here is probably going to take the deal and go Peyton Manning for $4. Am I yep. right? I'm, I'm yes. locked into that. All right. We've all got $11 left. At running back, $5, Terrell Davis, $4, Clinton Portis, $3, Willis McGahee, $2, Monte Ball, $1, Capri Bibbs. I'm going $4, Clinton Portis here. I'm going $2, Monte Ball. Whoa. Wow. I gotta <laughs> save, you got to save somewhere, right? Yeah, but yeah. wouldn't you go Capri Bibbs over Monte Ball? <laughs> right. <laughs> Ball, no. ball was ball was just fine in 2013. I, I'm going to assume that we're getting Monte Ball before all the issues caught up to him. So, Ryan, Ryan we're talking to Mr. Wisconsin here. Don't forget. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm with Zach. I'm going uh, four dollar Clinton Portis too. So, um, so we've got seven left, and Mace has nine. Yeah, you, okay. you're you're going to be left with some bad choices here. <laughs> I don't think so. Let's see. Um, at wide receiver, Rod Smith at five, Ed McCaffrey at four, Eddie Royal at three, Deshaun Hamilton at two, Carlos Henderson at one. Give me Eddie Royal for three bucks. Yep, I'm with you on that as well. I'm going Deshaun for two. All right, so okay. this has seven going into the final two, and Ryan and I have four. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Tight end, $5 Shannon Sharp, $4 Riley Odoms, $3 Noah Fant, $2 Joel Dreesen, $1 Bug Howard. <laughs> this is tough. You're right. We're in a tough position. I'm going to go. I'm gonna... Uh, wait, how many dollars do we have left? Four? We have four. Can I just go tight endless? Oh, no. Can I go play callerless? Because uh, I got Peyton Manning. Oh, no, you don't have to go play caller list, but it doesn't really matter uh, who mm. your play caller is because you have Peyton Manning. Except okay, that so you've got st- – but no, 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 because it's, it's, it's second stint Mike McCoy. That's the key thing here, guys. It doesn't matter, though. <laughs> so no, I'm going $3 Noah Fant. $3 Noah yep. Fant. <laughs> I'm with you. $3 Noah Fant, $1 Mike McCoy to finish it out. But oh. I mean, doesn't matter what Mike McCoy calls. Uh, Peyton Manning, if he doesn't like it, can just change it at the line. Yeah, I'm going $2 Joel Dreesen and $5 Mike Shanahan because I, the thing with, with Mike, we saw in Washington how they gave him RG3 and he completely rewrote the offense for RG3. I think Mike would rewrite everything he does for Peyton Manning, and I actually I think the two of them together would be would be brilliant. Would overcome the 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 two dollar guys at the rest of the positions. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm definitely sure they would. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's um, that's that's fun little one. That's fun. I like that. <laughs> uh, since Zach and I have the exact same team, we can put out a poll. Uh, yes, see. yes, <laughs> let's do it. Whose team yeah. is better? I do reserve the right, though, to point out that play callers don't matter when Peyton Manning is the quarterback. But when you put it out there, you have to put out it is second stint Mike McCoy. Yes. I don't care if it's second stint Mike McCoy, third stint Mike McCoy, um, infant Mike McCoy. Uh, (laughs) Wait, is Mike McCoy out of the league? Yes. Yes. So that was his second to last stop because then didn't he go down to Arizona for a couple of games? Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah, he, he lasted mid-season there. Yeah, the Broncos got him fired. Um, wow, so the fall of Mike. Uh, you know what though? When you make head coach bank for a few years, and uh, you make coordinator bank for a few years, if you manage it correctly, you can kind of sit back and chill. Oh, I mean, if you're okay with the the hit to the ego and i understand a lot of people aren't but if you're okay with the hit to the ego being a fired nfl head coach is is the best gig you can get agreed next one coming in from aristocrat dear drew hey baby honey my buzz Lightyear. i am writing you this letter because i want to keep faith i i want you to keep the faith i want you to know that i can see the hard work you're putting into this relationship and i do want you to keep trying things have been hard lately and it's important that you know why After having worn a beautiful ring just five years ago, I decided that the relationship was getting old and decided to move on. Since then, I have rebound after rebound, trying to find someone that is worth loving again. Ultimately, it has led me to a ton of disappointment and pain. But then you came along with so much promise. Physically, you passed every test. You are strong, intelligent, humorous, and charismatic. Beyond that, I confirm that the funny rhyming nickname your friends have been shouting out at at you is no lie. Everything was going fine for the first months, but then I felt like things changed. I don't know why, though. Maybe it is your boss at work that can't seem to lead you down the right path. Maybe it is your coworkers that don't always support you in many ways you need, but my biggest fear is that it may be as you. I know it feels like I have been putting you through the ringer and that things have been unfair. You may feel a little unsupported by me right now. I think that it is just a defensive mechanism my way of testing you to see if you are really here to stay and be the man I need you to be. So please bear with me and keep trying your hardest. I want my buzz back. Not this new Darth Vader like character that I hope is just a flash in the pan. Love, love you be Broncos country. Wow. Uh, quite <laughs> a love letter there. Uh, I'm, Although, uh, I'm yeah. speechless. I'm not sure about the Darth Vader analogy though, because Darth Vader was, was pretty badass for most of the Star Wars movies that he was in. I mean, I'm thinking, uh, I, I want Darth Vader, who is going uh, down a hallway and force choking everybody and throwing the poor rebel soldiers around around the hallway at the end of Rogue One, and 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 you know, basically reaching out his hand and grabbing their weapons from them. I, I want that quarterback. <laughs> I want that quarterback if that's who he is. So. I'm trying to think of uh, what the, what a good analogy for the character would be. Uh, where where talk, we're talking about right now? Maybe it's not Buzz. Maybe he's uh, Mr. Potato Head or uh, Rex the Rex the Tyrannosaur with, with the Walsh on voice. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I don't want Buzz Lightyear or Darth Vader. It doesn't really work out for either. Like 
really for either of them. <laughs> All right. Who do you want? Um, Superman. All right, there we go. Drew, be <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Uh, from Broncos only. Happy Thanksgiving to all. I rarely comment on non-Broncos matters, but I wanted to share a quick thought about Thanksgiving. Where are we going with this? Uh, the, <laughs> the Pilgrims ate turkey because that is what they had. But come on, is turkey good enough to eat for a celebration in 2020? If we look past the tradition, I say that by today's standards, turkey sucks. And all, and all of Thanksgiving is such a headache with the preparation time and efforts travel in a normal year. I still celebrate Thanksgiving out of a sense of obligation. But last year, I created a new holiday for myself called Steaksgiving. It's my take on Thanksgiving, but updated for the man in the 21st century. Here's how I celebrate Steaksgiving. Celebrate any day of the final week in November. Invite a friend or don't. Buy the most expensive steaks you can afford or would want. All side dishes are store-bought or instant potatoes, gravy, uh, salad, vegetables, dessert, etc. You're never obligated for any reason to attend anyone's Thanksgiving, and you're never obligated to schedule your Thanksgiving to accommodate anyone else's plans or avail availability. No out-of-town traveling is appreciated. This rule is in place even before COVID. Final rule, do not let Thanksgiving become Blackened Friday. Thanks for the awesome <laughs> coverage. <laughs> okay though here's the thing it wasn't just turkey at the first thanksgiving according to uh, according to folklore and uh, reports <laughs> there was lobster at thanksgiving there were mm. clams now there was also pumpkin so mm. there there you have pumpkin pie but yes you had waterfowl venison lobster clams berries fruit pumpkin and squash and there was a great store of wild turkeys, of which they took many. And that's why you see the turkeys. But why not just have lobster? That's a good point, Mace. Yeah. But lobster doesn't really, wouldn't really, uh, I guess, I mean, lobster's good anytime. I was going to say it doesn't really go with those sides, but I could eat lobster and stuffing. I could yeah, eat lobster with anything. <laughs> mac and cheese side to that? Maybe might as well just throw some lobster in the mac and cheese? Speaking of, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. You know what? I'm going to say it anyway, but I remember last, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, I'll, I'm willing to share my, uh, my Thanksgiving mac and cheese recipe. Yes. Oh, oh my God. The amount of people that asked me for that <laughs> is honestly absurd. Like I, I feel like I might be like the next Martha Stewart, uh, with how much interest there is in my recipes. So are you going to keep building it? Or are you going to let us know? No, I'm, it's a secret recipe. Oh, okay. That okay. now half of our listeners have because they reached out to me first and said, "Should have just said it." Anyways, that's great. Um, turkey is fine. Um, I like the idea of Thanksgiving, but I am—I've never once felt hassled by Thanksgiving. Um, so I—I I can't relate to the idea of like it being a headache. I think it's amazing. Um, but I also, basically, my entire family lives in Colorado. So I, I feel like I probably have a leg up there. Um, but I, ah. I, I, like, I like cooking. I like, you know, preparing a, a big uh, feast. I like all that stuff. I see what you did there. You have a turkey leg up there. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. <laughs> Next one from Rocket Haverland. Hey, guys, I never really comment here because I don't really think I have much to say. Although, after the game, I read a lot of tweets that I felt were somewhat misinformed on what won us the game. Sorry, 
I have not listened to the pod. I saved them while working, while or, or while working, which will be Friday. And I hope this hasn't been stated before. So feel free to skip it. After the game, a lot of you guys and Broncos fans on Twitter went off on how the Broncos need to feed Phil. Every time we give him X amount of carries, we are undefeated and so on. But I think this is a cause of a cause of correlation, not causation. When we give the ball to Phil, it because because of a the run is working, which means we are playing a bad defense, and B, we are winning the game. In both A and B, we usually win. So I find it unfair to say Shermer is not giving the ball to Lindsey enough. In our two losses to the Raiders and Falcons, Lindsey ran for under three yards a carry. If we had come out and run for four or five yards, I'm sure Shermer would give the ball to him more, and we would have won the game. I feel what was different about this game was the run blocking. We kicked out linemen and moved our linemen with the run, which helped Lindsey to cut into bigger holes. Seeing Bowles come over and destroy a defender on the right side is what both Lindsey and Gordon need. I hope Munchak and Shimmer can work together next week and come up with a creative blocking scheme against the tough Saints defense. My favorite coach does this, Kyle Shanahan. He is a genius with how he uses that to set up plays later, and I hope Shimmer would watch some film of how he uses Mostert. Thank you. So obviously I tweeted out the Broncos are 6-0 and in the last six games in which they give Philip Lindsay 15 carries. 10-4 and in his career when they give him 15 or more carries. Uh, and about 777 million people told me that that's because uh, the Broncos are winning and they're trying to salt away the clock so they give the ball more to Philip Lindsay. So um, it, that has nothing to do with Philip Lindsay's ability and everything to do with the – uh, time and score to which I respond why then why uh, since 2018 are the Broncos just three and five when any other running back on the roster gets uh, 15 or more carries and the other thing is just the running game in general if you believe in it you have to stick with it until you are in an extreme situation because it is sometimes about kind of going jab 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 to kind of tenderize the opposing defense, start to get them tired. And then you turn those little jabs into body blows as the game progresses. If you're patient enough with it, this is the kind of thing that can happen. I think if the Broncos are a victim of anything here, it is their own impatience with what they do do best at this point on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think – and obviously it's not – if you open the first 15 plays of the game with 15 runs to Philip Lindsay, you're guaranteed to win. Every, no one is dumb enough to think that because that's another thing people are saying in my mentions. Um, but what I do think has an effect on this and why it's so much more successful with Philip Lindsay than it is with other running backs, and I don't know if this is tracked by anyone, um, but like carries per explosive run. If that was a stat, I think Philip Lindsay would be uh, really, really good at that. Which means if you give Philip Lindsay 15 carries, I would guess that he is going to have two explosive runs. Uh, and those are game-changing plays, especially for a Broncos offense that doesn't create explosive plays nearly enough. So if Philip Lindsay gets the ball 15 times and runs once for 35 yards and once for 28 yards. That's two times in which he basically took the Broncos from one side of the field into scoring position uh, and, and gave them a better chance of scoring on that drive. So I'm just guessing on that stat. I don't know if there is an actual stat that tells you uh, how many carries in between each explosive run he has. I think that plays a big role in it. Again, I know it's not, I know that, that 
some of this has to do with the fact that when you're running the ball well, you win games. Uh, and when you are winning games, you run the ball more. But that's also a chicken or egg type of thing. To, to put yourself in position to be in, in those um, situations late in the game, you got to run the ball well early in the game. And the best opportunity you have to run the ball is well is by giving the ball to Phil Lindsay. So, Ryan, for, for stakesgiving, you're saying feed Phil? Yes. <laughs> there we go. Mace, next one is teed up for you. Yep, Count Locula. Someone gives you $100,000, but you have to spend it in one fell swoop on something indulgent just for yourself. What do you do? Love the count. 100000 Um, Heck, I mean, with 100000 cash, you can put down a nice down payment uh, on a house and have your mortgage uh, be not quite that high. So that's probably what I would do. Is that indulgent, though? Yeah, that seems, uh, that seems a little more practical. Yeah. Well, I would have it be a fancy house. <laughs> I think indulgent is like, I mean, the thing is with a house, I mean, you are talking about something that's a basic need. Maybe on indulgent, you're talking about like a really fancy car. Maybe. Okay, how about this? I buy uh, a vacation house. Oh, I like that. Because where I was thinking with this was uh, just take a $100,000 vacation somewhere. But I don't really want to go by myself uh, on this. So if the money can only be spent on me, I don't necessarily want that by myself. So I'd love vacation house. I, I travel around the world. By yourself? The thing is, like, I, I, you know what? If, if someone wants to go with me, great. If not, I'm, I'm fine. I'm I'm weird. I'm fine traveling by myself. I'm fine eating in a restaurant by myself. Doesn't bother me. Couldn't you say though that like uh, since you're indulging, you selfishly want your girlfriend to come with you or your wife? Mm, okay, then yeah. If we're doing that, then yeah. that's for sure what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I would buy. I would use that money since I can't use it on something that uh, practical like a house that I live in. I would buy like a vacation uh, spot in Cabo or. You know, I, I've always wanted to have a house in Arizona just because it's so quick to get there. Uh, and whenever you're sick of the winter, you could just hop on an hour uh, southwest flight and be in the warmth. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Man, I wonder what a $100,000 trip around the world can get you. Probably something pretty good. I mean, everything, right? <laughs> I would getting, think so. You, you ought to be able to get to every continent, so that would include uh, getting down to the tip of South America and taking a boat down to Antarctica just to go, just yeah. to cross it off the list. Yeah, maybe that's it. You hit all seven continents. I like that. Yeah. All right, there we go. Thanks for the question. Uh, next one from Big Tony. My boys, curious, what is a day in the life of a DNVR employee like? Would be interesting to hear what each of yours are like individually getting paid to talk Broncos and hang out in a sports bar seems like the dream. I'm low-key jealous. Okay, I lied. I'm high-key jealous. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is living, living the dream. During Broncos season, it's, uh, it's you know, we, we get to do the pod every day. Then we do press conferences. We watch practice, write stories, and then pretty much do that six times a week, but throw a game in there as well. Yeah, it, the thing with Broncos season, I find that, pretty much every minute of the day from like Monday through Friday is, is accounted for. 
And it's, it's something where I find myself, you know, press conferences, doing the show, doing some radio writing. It's like every minute, like every minute of the day feels like it's stacked with something. It's cool. It's fun, but it definitely is. It's a, it's a heck of a pace. And when the Broncos season ends, something that has happened to me almost every year is that I've gotten sick. It's like my body you know, produces adrenaline to kind of make it through. And then when the season ends, it's just like, okay, done out. Mm-hmm. And I always, I'm always like feeling lousy for a week or two when the season ends all without fail. So early January, I'll be sick. Guarantee. <laughs> It's what a great you, uh, description of a day in the life of Mace. <laughs> <laughs> Come January, I'll be sick. <laughs> uh, for me, kind of my favorite part about um, this company and, and my role is that uh, at this point, my days are rarely the same. Uh, there are some constants. Most days I'm on this podcast, uh, almost all days I'm doing DNVR bets daily. Uh, but what fills in the gaps between that is different from on a day-to-day basis. Um, sometimes I'm, you know, in meetings with Brandon, uh, talking about, you know, what's next for the business. Some days I'm working with Eric on designing a new t-shirt. Some days I am, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it just, it changes every day. I, you know, I'm working on uh, bigger, longer projects, uh, that have taken up a lot of my time over the last year or so. So, uh, that's what I love uh is i'm kind of spread out uh and i get to do something different on different days you know sometimes i'm hopping on uh a nuggets post game show sometimes i'm going on the denver sports podcast it's just uh it's always a big mix of things and uh that's uh that's i i i, I like the surprise or, or you know the uh the change up that i'm able to get and today is Wednesday, and part of the Broncos' daily Wednesday routine is talking to the quarterback. So we're talking to Drew Locke today. Love it. Big Tony goes on on another comment says, Also, I really enjoyed listening to yesterday's opening segment about, about Garrett Bowles. I'm so stoked for my guy. He's come so far from being that goofball class clown. I always remember him as back in the, back in the snow college days. His story is so inspiring. And – I'm not sure many fans know exactly what the story is. I've left a few links below to a couple of YouTube videos that will shed more light on it. I recommend you all take some time to check them out. I promise that you will fall in love with the guy after realizing where exactly he started from. Hope to be able to continue watching him for years to come. So if you want to check out those videos, Big Tony, drop the YouTube links in there. Uh, And what you have to do, the links are there. You just have to like scroll over them and click on them. For some reason, links when you post them here show up invisible. Love, uh, love a good invisible link. <laughs> Not a missing link, though. It's just an invisible link. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> From Casper, fellas, the defense had been an issue going into the Miami game, consistently giving up yards and points. Yes, they're paying a lot playing a lot of backups and that isn't helping however i believe the bigger issue is that the offense hasn't been able to sustain drives broadcast mentioned on sunday the lack of offensive drives that last five or more minutes letting them get a breather heal small injuries and make adjustments will be so beneficial to this defense not only will the defense be more likely to hold up other uh, other teams to lower scores but the offense will be more likely to put up more points if Shermer can make long drives a focus i believe the broncos will win more games how say you well I don't think it's necessarily a focus thing. I, I think 
uh, the offense just isn't executing. If, if it was up to Shermer, they go on seven minute touchdown drives on, you know, every time they got the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you, Casper. The time of possession is really tough when the defense is on the field for 35 plus minutes and three and outs are what kill that. And the Broncos really struggle all season with three and outs. So you got to pick up a first down or two to stay on the field, just like you're saying. Yeah, three and outs have been an issue. And also, even when the Broncos were getting touchdowns in that stretch of the games a few weeks ago, particularly against the Chargers and Falcons, they were getting them when they were behind and they were in up-tempo and they were in hurry-up mode. So they weren't able to sustain drives. And that's where you maybe take some, take some hope from what happened last week against Miami. And if you can somehow have the running game be in an acceptable level against this tough Saints run defense on Sunday, then you have a chance for the kind of drives that are going to allow the defense to catch its breath. Because against the Raiders, I think that was the biggest thing that led to that game getting out of hand was the offense going off the field too quickly. And by the fourth quarter, the defense, it was just completely gassed. And you had Devontae Booker running through them like they were 11 traffic cones. Yeah, uh, and, and that's a big worry this week yeah. uh, is time of possession for me because we know that the, the Saints are going to be committed to running the ball. Uh, and as we talked about in the first segment, it's going to be really tough for the Broncos to match that. Guys, All right, before we move on, a shout-out to WGT Golf where you can get in on our weekly tournaments. Got another one coming out this week. Uh, and all you got to do to be entered to win some awesome prizes is just play. So go to dnvrgolf.com, download the app from there, get in, join the DNVR4 Country Club, and participate in the Candied Yam Classic this week. That's right, the Candied Yam Classic at Marion. All you got to do is go into your Country Club once you join it, go to club tournaments, and it'll pop up from there. Super easy. Again, all you got to do to be entered to win prizes is just play and send us a screenshot uh, that you played uh, to the DNVR Twitter account. So. Make sure you, uh, you do that, or you can email uh, your screenshot to info at ddnvr.com. Uh, and again, all you got to do is play to get in. Also, you got to check out delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. I have my cup of Strava Craft Coffee right now. And Strava is, of course, the rich, delicious CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig whole bean or ground and guys, you can get it 20% off if you use that magical code DNVR20 on your first order. Or if you love it so much and want it sent straight to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, you can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and you'll get 20% off on every single purchase with Strava. Guys, it is delicious and it has a CBD benefits which help with aches, pains, migraines, anything that's going on with your body, CBD helps calm down including those coffee jitters. So talk about a perfect two-in-one punch. It's Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure to use DNVR20 for 20% off and then subscribe to get 20% off every other time. A really nice. interesting It is. A really interesting question here from Jason. What's up, guys? Happy Wednesday. In your podcast yesterday, you noted that the worst game of Garrett Bowles' season came when Munchak wasn't in the building. So let's say we extend Bowles and then Munchak gets a head coaching job uh, or something happens where he leaves the Broncos. How much regression do you think we would see from Bowles, or do you think he would be able to keep this play up? Ooh. I hope we don't have to find out, because, <laughs> yeah, that would be very scary. 
well, maybe what you do is if you extend bowls, you also call Mike Munchak in and say, okay, what kind of contract would it take to keep you around here for the long term, no matter what? Maybe you view Mike Munchak as somebody who is going to be on your staff regardless of who the head coach is. If it doesn't work out for Vic Fangio next year, for example, and they make a move then that whoever you hire brings in Munchak or that you probably uh, consider Munchak for the head coaching job outright. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, <laughs> you know, that's something where at Mike Munchak is absolutely a coach that should be here regardless of who the head coach is uh, w- without question. And they're paying him a lot more than a normal offensive line coach makes, but this is something where Vic Fangio, whoever the head coach is may say, name your price, Mike. And Joe Ellis is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about naming your price, but mm-hmm. I mean, that that's how important he is. Yeah. Um, sign him to a lifetime contract for all I care. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just just not the lifetime contract mike shanahan got i mean he's not gonna get worse at coaching the offensive line so uh no. uh I, i'm cool with having him for as long as he wants to uh, coach football uh, i believe it was, it was jim valvano who once said they gave me a lifetime contract and declared me dead oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> guys re- really quick i want to run this by you it's coming out that the chargers are changing their coaching staff. They're moving their special teams coordinator to be an offensive analyst and promoting former Denver Bronco Keith Burns to be their special teams coordinator. And boy, this has just so many interesting angles to it. So obviously, congratulations to Keith Burns. Awesome, uh, awesome guy in Denver, special teams star. But what about Tom McMahon as an offensive analyst, guys? Oh God! <laughs> Just thinking about that now, my Keith Burns. Oh my uh, gosh! Bravo! Bravo! <laughs> that uh, I, that's yeah. something else, though. I, Mace, I'm sure you probably heard of something this before. I haven't heard of that because typically you just fire him. Well, what's interesting about George Stewart, though, is that he he was a wide receivers coach for three different teams from 2000 through 2016. He was a linebackers coach at Notre Dame back in the eighties. He, and he was, I remember him in Tampa Bay and he also coached tight ends as well as coaching special teams in the early 1990s under Sam Weich. So he has a really kind of rare background as a coach to be able to make a move from being just a special teams coordinator to also doing stuff on the offensive side. He's, by the way, still their assistant head coach. That's the interesting thing here. He, is, he was their special teams coordinator slash assistant head coach. Now he's an assistant head coach offensive analyst, which, I mean, I've never really heard of that one before. But <laughs> Tom McMahon, I don't think, has the same kind of uh, resume flexibility. Yeah. yeah, what this tells me is that uh, this guy is very well liked. Yes. Uh, people like being around him. They like having him on his, their coaching staff, and they probably value his advice when it comes to certain things, uh, which is why he's there in the first place. They realize, hey, this isn't really working out from a special team standpoint, but we still want to have you around, so we're going to move some things around. You yeah. know what's interesting about uh, George Stewart? I, I have a very soft spot for him. Do you want to know why? Uh, yes. Because the Bucks did not have either a kickoff or punt return in the first 18 years of their franchise history. 
mean, that's really damn hard to do. What? And then on George Stewart's watch in 1980 or 1994, pardon me, Vernon Turner broke that streak for the Buccaneers, and I have never gone crazier seeing mm-hmm. a Bucks touchdown when, than when they finally got their first kickoff or punt return. Unfortunately for the Bucks, the first kickoff return in team history for a touchdown had to wait another 13 years. They did not get a kickoff return for a touchdown until their 32nd season in the NFL. Holy oh smokes. God. It honestly feels like the Broncos are on that type of drought right now. I was now. just going to say, when's the last time the Broncos had a punt return for a touchdown? Uh, would it be? Holiday? Omar Bolden in Indianapolis in 2015, I believe. Oh, that, wow. that was the iPoke game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the iPoke game. And then a kickoff return. Yeah, I mean, it would be Trendon Holiday, right? I think it was against uh, – would it be against Philadelphia back in 2013? Well, wow. I know what my yeah. 58-yard field goal is this week. No, <laughs> back it up to 85-yard field goal. Yeah, 99-yard <laughs> field goal. <laughs> oh, man. Next one coming in from Hawkeye Bronco. Fellas, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame semifinalist being re- revealed today, I couldn't help but think back to an absolute joke from earlier this year with Randy Gratishar being denied entry once again. I know that was on the senior committee, but still it stinks. My question is, Will Randy be considered by the senior committee again this year? And how many more years can he remain eligible? Maybe if he is presented as Randy Gratishar and photoshopped into a Cowboys or Steelers uniform, he will finally get his due. Much love. Go Broncos and go DNBR. Yeah, you know what? I know this is not what anybody wants to hear because everybody's frustrated with this. But first of all, he can be continue to be considered by the seniors committee. There's no statute of limitations for seniors committee consideration. Number two, he is really close and he's one of kind of that handful of three or four names in the seniors room that is getting discussed year after year. I do think it's a matter of when, not if for Randy Gratishar. It's just that it should have happened a long time ago because there are other linebackers with hit with very similar resumes who have been in for decades from his generation and even a later generation and Randy's still waiting. Yeah. The hall of fame has, has made a lot of right, have righted a long, a lot of their wrongs with the Broncos in recent years, but Randy's uh, the, the biggest outstanding one that still needs to be changed. Yeah. There's actually, yeah. And, and there's actually, as everything, there is a, uh, there, there's a, there's a stat for that. And it's, it's going through, and realizing that he is one of 10 linebackers in NFL history with at least 20 interceptions, 10 or more fumble recoveries, and at least seven Pro Bowl appearances. By the way, the other guys that are on that list are guys like Dick Buckus, Ted Hendricks, Brian Urlacher, Jack Lambert, Ray Lewis, Chuck Bednarik. All of those other guys uh, are in the Hall of Fame, and Gratish are still waiting. It's a yep. shame. I always say this when, I talk, when we talk about the Hall of Fame. I just wish the players didn't care about it, so I could not care about it. But they care about it a lot, so now, so, uh, now I care about it through them because I know how important it is to them, so I want them to get what they deserve. Well, think about like how Floyd Little cherished being a Hall of Famer and yeah. uh, joked about wearing the gold jacket to, to, to bed so he could be a Hall of Famer in the bedroom. Steve yep. Atwater has told me that when he gets his Hall of Fame ring, that's the ring he's wearing. 
more often than the Super Bowl rings. That's, that's how much it means to these guys. I mean, it's because, as he'll point out, hey, you know, not that the Super Bowls aren't special. They are. But the Hall of Fame, that's the most exclusive club you're going to be in in the sport. Right. And in the same way that, you know, winning a Super Bowl ring is all about your teammates uh, and, and, you know, doing it with your brothers, uh, a Hall of Fame ring is merely, uh, you know, a reflection of how great you were, uh, which I can understand why that would mean more to someone personally. Mm hmm. All right, from Hawkeye Bronco. Uh, oh, no, that was what we just did. Uh, from Car Ramrod. My boys, here's a scenario for you. Nick Wright is on the golf course talking smack. He says the Broncos will go 3-13 and 13 this year. They suck. He then wakes up laying on his back with a painful face as Happy Gilmore is standing over him saying, Nick is wrong. Beep. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys what you think about Taysom Hill as a quarterback uh, in the future. I was glad that the Saints game was the local broadcast in the early game because I wanted to watch him play and see how he would do. I also picked him up and played him at tight end in my fantasy team because he was eligible there that last week. He got me 23 points and helped me win my matchup against my wife, of all people. She was not happy to lose 165 to 87. See, you didn't even need him. Um, watching him play, he reminds me so much of Tim Tebow, but a much better passer. How, uh, would you guys take him as a starting quarterback here in Denver if things don't work out for Drew Locke? This is completely hypothetical to see what you guys think. I don't think Sean Payton will ever let him go, so we're not talking reality here. Just brought back some of those Tebow time memories seeing a similar quarterback out there. Well, I think we can all answer this one together. That is a big, fat no. Well, it's a no with a qualifier because I do, I do see the, the Tebow comparison because he is a more accurate version of Tim Tebow. He completed 78% of his passes last week. Let's see what he does going forward. But the thing that is interesting about Taysom Hill is that his style, how long can he keep doing this? Because, yeah, he's, he's, he's a runner, and he's going to run to contact. And he's also 30 years old. So if you sign yeah. him in free agency, you're talking about a 31-year-old quarterback who relies a lot on his legs. So do you see Taysom Hill as somebody that can transition into a pocket quarterback as he gets into his 30s? That's oh. what I really don't know, and I would be surprised <laughs> if he did. You don't go down this path with a 30-year-old. Yeah. Uh, ah. If he was fresh out of college, uh, you know, a, a fresh-faced 24-year-old quarterback, um, who for some reason had, you know, these last few games of experience with the Saints playing and you had an opportunity to get him when he was still young and, you know, build an offense around him and move forward with him. I'm all about it. But you're not taking a, you're not taking a flyer on a 30-year-old quarterback as your starter. Here, here's the thing, and Carr Ramrod mentioned it at the end, but Sean Payton thinks he could be the truth so much that he's playing him over Jameis Winston in order to find out. So if he does turn out to be the truth, there's zero chance that you'll be able to get him. If you can have an opportunity to get him, it means he's not the truth. Let's, and let's maybe, though, kind of see how this might help the Broncos. If they do need to go find a hedge next year and Taysom Hill plays, Jameis Winston's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just saying. Just saying. Now, what does it say about Jameis, though, that, that Sean Payton believes – and an older Taysom Hill than a younger Jameis Winston. I think this actually says so more about Taysom Hill than anything. And I think, I think it's that he really wants to find out what he has. And, to, and the other thing to consider is this. Even though the one, only the one seed gets a bye in the playoffs, 
in this postseason, home field advantage means less than in any other postseason. So you can kind of you can throw Taysom Hill out there for a few games. You're still going to be a playoff team. I mean, they're going to almost certainly win the division now that they're that uh, they're a game and a half ahead of the Bucks, and they have the tiebreaker advantage in their back pocket. So he can kind of play with these next couple of games here to see if Taysom Hill is the guy. And then if he realizes that he's not, then you can have Jameis Winston ready. But I think this is about how he's had Taysom Hill for what, four years now. And he wants to see, this is his opportunity to see what he has. Absolutely. Uh, From Brian, dear Broncos country. Can we stop pretending like Gordon is a special running back? Hashtag not dynamic. To me, he is exactly what I hoped he would be in Denver, which is a, a very good RB2. Um, just need to get around to the Broncos realizing that. He's a good RB2, but he's got to change one thing, and we all know what that is. He's got to stop putting the ball on the ground. Right, right now, the fumble rate is unacceptable. Like what he did on Sunday, if he doesn't fumble, we're talking about what a great game that was from Melvin Gordon complimenting Philip Lindsay and how well the two of them worked together. Probably finishes with five yards of carry and three touchdowns. We'd be talking about yeah. it as one of the better games from a running back uh, in Denver in a while. Yeah, he's our king of the game. DraftKings king of the yep. game. Yep, easy. Um, unfortunately, there's like a certain time where you fumble so much where you, that you become unplayable. Right. And he's trending that way right now. Like I don't even think I'm that's hype, uh, hyperbolic at all. Like a couple more fumbles and like you just can't be trusted anymore. It's actually – he's already, I think, at that point in terms of, a, of an unacceptable fumble rate. You're talking about a, 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 high le, a higher level of risk when you hand him the ball than you want to have from a running back. It's not sustainable. So I think, I think we're already kind of right there. And, and the other thing and, – and, like, the fumbles, they, they come at, at really I – mean, there's no good time for a fumble. But think about when he had that fumble against Tennessee back in week one. You set him up on a short field. You give him a life. You give him a lifeline at the moment where you've got them on the run, or you know you have the you have the fumble Sunday against Miami. And it basically keeps you know basically keeps a minute. You know, and then the Chargers. It helps you lose, or the the, the um, Chiefs. Pardon, pardon me. It helps you lose hope. I just ugh, he's he's got to fix that. And I mean, I don't know what you do. Do you? Uh, do you give him a football with a handle and make him carry it around the facility when he's there this week? I, you know, I don't know. I, I would. I would do anything because eventually <laughs> you're going to lose your investment here. Uh, like I said, if he – like, let's say he fumbles this week. I'll touch wood. Um, like, you have – you can't give him the rock anymore. Like, at a but, certain point, you might – like, you might only be able to play him in passing situations. But, guys, do you think the Broncos will do that? Because I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, but do you think the Broncos will actually say, we don't trust you anymore? Um, I don't know. Maybe because they're not really playing for anything, they, they, they wouldn't uh, do that. But, like, if this is a playoff team fighting for playoff position, playing in playoff games, you, you, you get to a point where you say, like, we can't take this risk. Right, the turnovers are too valuable. Yeah, especially uh, when your quarterback has a turnover issue as well because uh, you certainly can't do it with two, and we know that they're not going to stop playing Drew. Right, right. That's a good point. That's a really good point. 
Orange and blue, Ozzy chiming in. The rest of the season is a test for Drew, of course, but it's also a test to Pat Shermer. His game plans have, in my opinion, only netted us two wins that were a big part in the wins, New England and Miami. Interesting that they are the two wins we actually ran the ball. There have been five games uh, where the offensive game plan did not work for the skills of this team. Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Las Vegas, which the game plan put us in a position to lose. The other four I would call neutral as we were competitive and the play calling didn't stand out either way. FYI, we should have lost to the Chargers, but the loss of Bosa and them deciding to stop blitzing led to a heroic comeback. But that was the players, not the offensive coordinator. Now, the ultimate test in the next two weeks, going up against the Saints and their stout run defense, is going to test uh, Pat big time. What, what will he do after a couple of runs that gain no yards? Will he revert Pat back to passing on every first down and Drew putting the ball up 50 times? Or will he say, run on first and second half the time and put the offense in third and six or less? Will he use play action, Drew under center and rolling out? If Pat reverts to pass first and let's run on second and 10, Drew will regress. Then the Chiefs, we can run on them. How long if we get behind 7 to 14 points at some point will we keep pounding the rock? Thoughts? P.S. Drew's deep ball accuracy problem is mechanics. He's thro- he throws a hard, flat ball, which doesn't allow the wide receiver to run under it. If he misses, it's over. Russell Wilson throws a high, big arc ball that allows a wide receiver time to run under. Why did the throw did he hit on Tim Patrick the last play? Drew threw a high, arching ball. That's, yeah. that's an interesting point there. And I, I said that after the game, too. Um, yeah. Drew yeah, he, was taught that way, though. I remember him talking about it at the Senior Bowl. He said, uh, you know, him and whoever his offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach was at Missouri always talked about, throw, you know, throwing it uh, – low and inside because uh you uh, you you know get the distance you want on it and you give your um receiver a chance to run run under it without it going out of bounds so uh (laughs) it's a coaching thing and the other thing is with a high arcing ball i mean sometimes it works but sometimes all that does is give the safety a chance to close and all of a sudden you're talking if the safety closes and the cornerback closes you're talking about having to make a play in double coverage if you put too much under it on a consistent basis so that's it's something where you do it maybe you do it some of the times maybe if you know that you've got the safety away and it's strictly gonna be one-on-one and you're talking about a nine ball then then that that's something that you that you think about the other thing is i like what orange and blue ozzy mentions about you know talking about play action and running and this is where guys the the success of the run game and its importance on sunday it's it's as much about setting up the play action and making it viable as the yardage that you're going to get on the ground, because those yards are going to be hard to come by, but you still run the ball to set up the play action and set up some open lanes downfield for Drew to find his targets. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Next one from the Danimal. Prefacing this comment by saying, I still want Drew to be the man. I'm just very concerned after that game. Shermer finally did right by Locke and adjusted the game plan for him and even flipped the reads from left to, from right to left to trick Miami's defense this week. But Locke still finished at 60% completion and was making bad decisions while not under pressure. My fear is that we are heading toward a false positive bolstered by a simple game plan and we are going to end up in a mid-2000s-esque purgatory for another couple of years. I hope I'm wrong and Buzz Lightyear returns, but I need to see more of these next six games to get that warm and fuzzy feeling. 
I'm overall concerned about the state of our franchise. Locke is showing some eerily Paxton-like traits, breaking clean pockets, only 11 pressures from Vegas, but the mileage on Locke's feet would tell you it was 30. Elway insists on treating contract negotiations like we are still in the Manning era success and not paying for up for homegrown talents. Ellis seems to be piloting a rudderless ship. Fangio shows flashes of brilliance, bookended by boneheaded mistakes Acosta's gains. And I'm concerned that the contracts of a few underperformers are going to handcuff us going into 2021. If we don't show promise by the end of the year and start treating our players right, we are going to end up in the same situation next year. I'm not on the fire Elway boat, but I've lost confidence in him in him and Ellis and in um, the mindset that we aren't contenders until ownership changes. And Elway either bows out or has read the riot act and loses the rope he's been given to hang himself with. We have the ingredients for success, but need the leadership at the top to maximize it. Here's to hoping Thanksgiving brings more positive change to this offense. Danimal. Wow. That, uh, yeah. I mean, Harsh. yeah, it, yeah, it is. And, there. <laughs> you know, I guess after four losing seasons, that's where fans go. And that's understandable. For sure. From maybe the dingo H a baby. Pressure is high in the Mile High City, but there's a comparison to QBs out there that walk into an established offense. Take Herbert, for example. Everyone on that team knows that offense like they know their kids' birthdays. So you're telling me the only guy who needs to learn uh, is the guy throwing the ball to the wide receivers who knew the play already? It took Manning four games to look like he was comfortable in Denver. But the full offseason, Drew had none of it, and neither has his uh, mismatch hodgepodge of crew of teammates decimated by injuries. Take a freaking breath, Broncos country. Well, a very uh, timely response there to the last comment. Yeah, back to back, and and I understand them both. But the the thing is, we need to know it. The best thing is to know if Drew th- if Drew is the guy or not by the end of the year. And obviously, the best of those two options is that he is the guy. But I just think the worst case scenario is just not knowing. So six more games. Yeah, Samuel I mean, B. Suit. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the, the, the purgatory the purgatory is the worst thing right now. And that's kind of where we are. Like we like not knowing whether you're going up or down and you're just kind of playing playing the waiting game. And unfortunately, the the hedge quarterback, if you bring that guy in in the offseason, that's keeping you in the same spot. So I agree with you, Zach. We need certainty one way or the other here. From Samuel B. Sue for this Sunday's game, Bulls. Or Ram check? <laughs> what a great question, Samuel. <laughs> uh, you know what? For this game, give me the hot hand. Give me the best tackle in the NFL right now. Give me Garrett Bowles for this game. Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on what position you need him at, but uh, you, you're probably going Bowles. Uh, I don't know how you couldn't. He's playing <laughs> out of his mind. Well, I mean, Nate's got to ask yeah. you, Mr. Wisconsin. It's not that Ryan Ramchek is playing badly right now. I mean, he's probably he's probably on his way to uh, to to another to another season where he gets uh, some degree uh, of honors. Of course, he was first team All Pro uh, last year. That that being said, right now Garrett Bowl it's the hot hand thing. Garrett Bowles is playing out of his mind. So yeah, for this game, Garrett Bowles for the career you're still taking Ryan Ramchek. Yeah. What a world to sign up yeah. for a long term deal. You're definitely going Ryan Ramschek. At least, at least I am. And guys, oh yeah. no, our Thanksgiving just got a little worse. Ravens, Steelers postponed until Sunday. Yeah, that was that that was coming all week. Um, I wonder if they're going to move 
one of those other games back into prime time now. Man, they really should. Well, the problem is though you've got though you've got CBS and Fox that have you know planned around having those games in the afternoons. I mean, this is uh, uh, this is something where there's going to have to be a make good for NBC on this one, but the make good may not be able, uh, they may not be able to plug the make good in until sometime uh, later in the season or even in a future year here. This is, uh, yeah, this, this is tough to work around at this point, but uh, you know what? Given what was going on in Baltimore, they had to do it. I will say that 1030 uh, AM kickoff is a pretty tradable asset in my opinion. Um, You can probably get 30 here though. It's, 12, yeah. it's 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 beautiful out 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 east you know at 12:30 kickoff and also the, the the beauty of the of the kickoff time of having at least one early game is that you can if you're planning your thanksgiving back east you say okay i've got i may have to sacrifice part of one game here for the thanksgiving meal and then you can kind of pick and choose if you want the like if you if the if you're going to watch the later game you eat during the early game if you're jam is the the lions game then you eat during the cowboy game i'm just saying that it's early people are running around trying to get stuff together for thanksgiving you do have you know people probably like like my mom who have a tv in the kitchen who you know has the game on while she's helping prepare the meal but uh i just think you know when uh when someone needs a a football game for the evening slot uh for thanksgiving you they're in a bad position you can get a lot out of that trade yeah we lived without it for a long time though guys still they're desperate they <laughs> they need a player uh and you can finesse them for like two first round picks <laughs> so yes. uh so should the saints get on a plane right now oh yeah yeah <laughs> that'd be a blast Play the game early. I, I, no, but, but yeah, and officially, like, the league put out a press release. They're not moving any games, so it's going to be 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. for the kickoffs tomorrow. Sorry. Is there college football in the uh, late slot? Ooh. Well, that, actually, I'll give you that. There's the game I would move. I'd move CSU Air Force to primetime. I don't know if the whole uh, country would uh, would jump on that I one. I don't care about the whole country. I, I'll I'll watch CSU Air Force in prime time. I, you know, the whole country can you know can take a flying leap. I just want a game that I'm going to watch. <laughs> I will watch. I will watch CSU Air Force if they if they move it to 6 p.m. Mountain time. I, I wish they would do it. Now, just looking at it here, there is a game at five o'clock Mountain time. It's New Mexico Utah State. Ah, uh, that'll get people no. going. <laughs> NBC, baby. Oh, since it's so, on NBC, we just we we need to move Notre Dame. Whoever they play, put them on primetime, and they're a top team. So oh. can't because they're playing a road game. Only Notre Dame home games can get adjusted. They're at North Carolina on Friday afternoon. Oh, mm. Wow, this is terrible. We either get no <laughs> football at night or Colorado State and Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you pulling for, Ryan? Obviously, Air Meteors. <laughs> no, I like Air Force a lot. Um, I thought I don't know. I thought you'd still be upset about uh, Air Force beating you guys. Uh, no, that's year. the least upset I've ever been about a Buffs loss. I, I just ended up respecting them more. Um, from King Supers, donuts are better than any donut. 
I do not care what you say. <laughs> My dudes, it's Victory yeah, Wednesday. Enough donuts. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, speaking of, we might have a, uh, a test to see which donuts are the best uh, soon. Stay tuned to DNVR programming, particularly <laughs> on the weekend. Um, my dudes, it's Victory Wednesday. Can you imagine if the Denver Broncos went out with a new version of the D logo on the orange helmets, keep the dark blue with the D, then have the orange color jersey with all blue pants? Lost me there. Then have a blue version of the color jersey with blue pants as an alternate. Then roadies, you can wear white pants with the white version and have the orange as a road alternate too. Orange pants with a white jersey could be sick too. I love a good old uni combo. Yeah, love oh. it. Sounds good to me. It's my approval. Stamp of approval. Okay, yeah. all right. I don't I, want the blue pants uh, on an orange jersey. No. I want white pants. I would – and actually, I don't want the orange with the blue pants. I don't want the blue color rush jersey with blue pants. What no. I do want out of that is I would take a color rush jersey template in blue with orange pants. Blue oh. Orange. Um, something we see, we've seen it work for Syracuse. Maybe yeah, it, I'm I'm interested. Uh, I'll give it a chance. It's usually not my jam, but um, I want. I also would be down with a white jersey, orange pants. And then, guys, I, I have the perfect way to cap it off. Do some vertical socks that are yellow and brown striped. Oh my god! No, I no. would be down for some white, uh, white and orange vertical striped socks. Ooh, yeah, nice. or or like orange or orange and blue. In fact. In a redesign of the uniform, if they do just do a new template, I would like to see them find a way to get the ver- get get kind of the vertical stripe pattern in somewhere on the uniform as an element. Maybe we're talking about on the helmet instead of the orange white orange stripes. Say you have a blue helmet and it's just orange and white, and then that stripe pattern is replicated on the socks and on the pants and just becomes kind of a design element of the entire uniform. I just really want them to challenge. I was going to say, it would be a challenge to make the vertical stripes work uh, in 2020, but they need a good challenge. I just really want them to keep a, go ahead. I just really want them to keep a swoosh on the pants. I I just love the swoosh. (laughs) You just want that because it drives me crazy. Think about like how Kentucky and Tennessee, how like they make use of kind of a checkerboard pattern because, of course, there's a lot of history with that with Tennessee and with Kentucky. It's an ode to the uh, silks that were worn by uh, the jockey riding secretariat back in 1973. So these are there, and North Carolina has leaned into the Argyle. So I'd love oh, yeah. to see the Broncos take like a design element like the vertical stripes and find a way to kind of work it into a future uniform. Yeah, uh, you, you can go through a lot of places who have kind of made something that might not be um, in vogue a part of their identity, and it's cool. Like the Argyle in North Carolina is dope. It's uh, awesome. It looks awesome. Um, even like the Indiana Hoosiers vertically striped warm-up pants are cool. I mean, like yeah. I think it's weird when fans wear them, but it just it's part <laughs> of their identity. It looks cool. It's it, not it, weird it if it works. And it's part of your it's part of your culture, and it be it's one of those things where you you look back and say, what is something really unique stylistically 
in Broncos culture we can lean, lean into. I mean, I don't want to go back to brown and yellow, but I would. But working a vertical stripe look into a uniform that is orange and blue, I think it's something that if you do it right, then it could be a defining aspect. Like look at the Seahawks with the little, the little pattern they have all over their uniform. That, that's something distinct to them. So lean into something distinct on the Broncos. From Pay Dak, which Bronco is averaging 8.5 yards per carry, and why aren't people clamoring for more carries for him like they are Phil? Is it Drew? No, and in fact, there's no one averaging 8.5 yards per carry. There's someone averaging 8, and there's someone averaging 9. Deontay Spencer, one carry for 9 yards, and K.J. Hamler, four carries for 32 yards. Maybe that's what he's talking about. I am down for more KJ Hamler carries. Absolutely, without a doubt. But he should absolutely be getting it. What's Drew averaging per carry? Uh, he's averaging a nice 3.7.1 higher than uh, Royce Freeman. Ooh. Wow. And, Anyways, uh, he goes on. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the, uh, the person who is worst is Brett Rippon. He's averaging uh, minus one yard per carry. There's How some kneel downs involved with that, though, I believe. Oh, oh, that's why Drew's is probably bad. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're right. Yeah. How many times has Drew kneeled? Well, he kneeled last week. He, uh, so he kneeled against the Dolphins. He, uh, he had some kneel down snaps in New England. Did he kneel against the Dolphins? Oh, wait. No, he didn't. So. No, he didn't. My bad. Yeah, my bad. He completed so he a 61-yard pass. Oh, right. Right. Did he, did he have an end of a half kneel, like end of the first half kneel? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah I'm sure he's had the Broncos should make the, the Broncos should make that a part of their identity. Every last play of the game, they just huck up a deep ball. <laughs> and then could you imagine how much hate Vic Fangio and or Drew Locke and or Pat Shermer would get if they picked it off and ran it back then went for two and one? Oh my God! Did, wait, did you got? Did anyone ask Drew about that play after the game, Mace? Um, I, somebody did, but I don't remember what he said off the top of my head. I think like, he's, he. I think he mentioned like, yeah, I think that was that was once that was supposed to go out of bounds or something. Okay, I just wanted to make sure he's still getting credit for this, and I'm just like, what are we do? Like, what are we doing here? That was a, that was an accident. He's getting credit like in a good way. Yeah, like, uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but someone said, like, can we give Drew some credit? Like, uh, like he, that was the best deep ball he's thrown in a while or something like that. Like, well, I think it was kind of joking, like joking, mocking credit because he's still sitting there, even with that connection, guys. He's still down there in the, in, among the bottom two or three quarterbacks in terms of deep passing efficiency uh he did here's what drew lock uh did say because it was the longest play from scrimmage for the broncos this year um oh my uh, god no way (laughs) he said my main concern was you've just got to throw it you've got to get it out don't let the clock run out right here at that moment i knew it was either going to be right out of bounds it was going to be tim batting it down this time he actually ended up making a play it might be the first time you're ever supposed to throw it out of bounds and something happens that should not be guys, difficult to do. 
no, this this isn't Drew's fault, but my God, that play was poorly designed. They are so <laughs> lucky it worked out the way it did. Like, well, like I mean, Drew got hit on the play. It, it, like, it, he almost got his arm hit as he was trying to throw it. That could have been unmitigated disaster. Everything about it was wrong. It, the fact that he gets hit, the fact that if Drew, you're trying to throw it, and you're just trying to run out the clock. That that thing should be going into the first row of the stands. Well, and on top of that, <laughs> not, were, not, not near the sideline. <laughs> there were four seconds left. It's not like we were dealing with like seven, nine, yeah. eleven seconds. You literally could have. You should. They the way they should. Hopefully, they learned this in practice this week. Uh, have Drew line up like two yards further back. Uh, practice that snap so it's not the first time you've done it. All he had to do was catch the snap and throw it as high as he could in the air towards the sideline someone you know it seems like he maybe didn't know that the clock doesn't stop until the ball hits the ground no matter where it goes yeah he's a basketball guy so how many times we've seen in basketball games two seconds to go you get a rebound or something and you just huck it up and all you're trying to do is make sure you don't hit the scoreboard yeah Yeah. i mean he Uh, should have been running straight backwards not towards the line of scrimmage What's well, another time, thing? You're up, you're up by seven. Run straight backwards, and oh, if you can't throw and you're in the end zone, take a safety. Who cares? Yes. Yeah. Throw it straight backwards. <laughs> uh, that that was almost as unnerving as the, the Buffs <laughs> one time. They were go, they were playing UMass, uh, and they it shouldn't have been a close game, but of course it was. And uh, the last play of the game, they had like eight or nine seconds left, and they just snapped it to their quarterback. And Sefo was just like running backwards, but like in a zigzag, uh, <laughs> and just trying to run out clock. And it, oh my god, it was so unnerving. Like especially <laughs> oh. at that time, that was like in the depths of, of Buffs despair. Like you were just waiting for something terrible to happen. <laughs> yeah, there was a. And this is way back. Uh, John Elway's Colorado Crush had a game that they won, and they ran out like seven seconds, and literally the they took like a forty-five yard loss on the last oh play God. of the game, <laughs> just running out the clock <laughs> on the sixty-yard field. Yeah, it, it, that's what was so impressive about, about it. You could still uh, hit a fifty-eight yard field goal there. True. Uh, from uh, He finishes and says, as an aside, why is paying Dak never in the discussion as a QB solution for the Broncos? It has been for me, for sure. Uh, it's my number one option that isn't Drew Locke. Uh, free agent, MVP level, not, uh, that's a little high praise. But <laughs> not just injured, but the timing of the injury causes friction with his team on the business side. Ringing any bells? It's hard to remember, but many prognosticators did not think Manning was the slam dunk he was in retrospect. In the context of coming off an injury combined with his, at the time, highest QB salary in history, if you think Dak plays on the tag again this season, I have a Paxton Lynch to trade you. And unlike many of these retreads and reclamation projects, you won't get a trade. You'll just have to open the checkbook and pay Dak. Well, it's opening the checkbook and being able to write the check of – nine figures that goes in escrow escrow drink That's to start issue. your thanksgiving <laughs> yes yes have a little have a have a little spiked cider uh as your drink for that as i bring up the escrow issue once again guys <laughs> and yes. on top of that i mean it you're, you're not just writing the check but you're you're cutting a lot of pieces now is it worth it if you truly think he is that mvp level quarterback absolutely but you got to make sure of that because the worst thing 
is to, to handcuff yourself to a huge quarterback uh, contract that doesn't work out. So you pay Dak $40 million a year? Is that yep. Yep. the number? Yeah. Uh, uh, what constitutes success with that? Playoffs every single year at, at the Playoffs bare, every- bare, bare minimum. You you are you're putting up a challenge to the Chiefs every year, and over let's say he has a four year contract, you're winning the division twice, and you're going to the playoffs as a wild card the other two years. For that oh, money, man. that's what you need. That seems like a really attainable goal to me uh, with Dak Prescott, and especially with the, no the weapons that you have. Wow! Wow! Oh yeah, that's something you'd have going for you. Is the offense would be cheap outside of your quarterback. Yeah. I don't know about – I guess I shouldn't say winning the – I was more talking about Zach's goal, which is mm. just make the playoffs every year. Uh, sure. I definitely think if you add Dak, you make the playoffs every year. Um, I, and you probably – and there's a debate to be had here, um, and it would just be depending on how things shake out on the field, but you probably are back to having the second-best quarterback in the division. Yeah. Which oh, we know boy. you're not going to get to number one. That would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Derek's balling. We'll see where Justin Herbert goes. But you definitely have a chance to be number two. Right. You're yeah, back in yeah. the conversation. And, I, and the thing is, no one's challenging Mahomes. But on Sunday night and in the game earlier this season, we saw that Derek Carr has become good enough to go punch for punch with Patrick Mahomes. So yep. is Dak Prescott good enough to do the same thing, go punch for punch and give you a chance? Uh, if he recovers well from this injury, I'd say the answer is yes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Dak's, uh, had, I lo- Dak's had games that he's yes, proven he has. that. Yes, he has. I love the idea if Drew Locke's not the guy. Feels pretty unrealistic, but it, it would still be my number one option uh, if, Drew Locke, if, you, if you're moving on from Drew Locke. Aren't the Cowboys learning this year the very hard way how valuable Dak is to them? You'd think. <laughs> yep. But uh, the well, it's a little different. I was say the Colts learned how valuable Peyton Manning was to them, and they still sent him packing. Yeah, he was the most valuable player in 2011, guys. Well, while not well, playing you know, a single snap. But we all know if that had not been the year that Andrew Luck, considered a right. generational prospect, was available, that they would have just they would have brought Peyton Manning back and tried to run it back with him being healthy. I mean, it, that was a perfect storm of circumstances that benefited the Broncos. Maybe the Jets accidentally win three games and the Cowboys get the number one overall pick. (laughs) There we go. All right. Uh, It would be hilarious if, like, towards the end of the season, the Cowboys are, like, one game out of – well, I guess that's probably it right now. They're – as one of the worst teams in the NFL, they are closer to going to the playoffs than they are to getting the number one overall pick. (laughs) yep yep they're playing for first place tomorrow yep (laughs) literally the cowboys or the football team are going to be sitting in first place tomorrow night that is insane (laughs) or and if they tie they're both tied for first and the eagles play the seahawks so they're probably gonna hold on whatever team wins that they're probably gonna hold on to it through the week oh man i I sure hope they tie and we have a three-way tie at first we should get a four-way tie for the NFC East. That would be so awesome. Also, though, if, if, if Washington does win the division somehow, as bad as that division is, 
Alex Smith is the comeback player of the year, and Ron Rivera is arguably the coach of the year. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You don't get to win coach of the year with, like, a 6-9 and nine record. Yeah, oh. a 6-10 record. Well, we're also talking about overcoming adversity here. You have Alex Smith overcoming his injury. Ron Rivera literally dealing with cancer during the season and yeah. continuing yeah. to coach. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well – one place that's never won comeback player of the year because they've never been uh, down is Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, always, always number one dentist group in the metro area. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group uh, and make them part of their permanent family. Uh, they reach out and let us know how great their experience was and thank us for leading them to such a wonderful practice. There's honestly nothing more rewarding than hearing that from our listeners. So please tell us your experience if you've made the switch. If you don't know, Green Mountain Dental Group is in Lakewood. They're the best Sam family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they're big Colorado sports fans just like you. So check them out and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Uh, Green Mountain Dental Group, never the comeback player of the year, always the MVP. But for us, that's going to wrap it up. Again, we're off tomorrow for Thanksgiving. We hope everyone has an amazing Thanksgiving. Uh, But we will be back with you guys on Friday. Have a great holiday.